0: Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy, expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Servants of Grace podcast and to our theology segment. One of our listeners writes in today and they have a great question. What is the righteousness of God In English, the term righteousness and justice are different words, but in both uh, the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, there's only one word group behind these two English terms. In the Old Testament, the terms particularly translate forms of the Tacitic word group. In the New Testament, the members of the Dikeos word group. And therefore, these two terms are going to be considered together, speaking of the one attribute of God. God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. Speaking of God, Moses says in Deuteronomy 32.4, The rock, his his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Abraham successfully appeals to God's own character of of righteousness when he says in Genesis 18.25, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. God also speaks and commands what is right in in Psalm 19 verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart and God says of himself in Isaiah 45 19. I the Lord speak the truth I declare what is right and as a result of God's righteousness it's necessary that he treat his people according to what they deserve and thus it is necessary that God punishes sin for for it does not deserve reward, it is always wrong, and it always deserves punishment. And so when God does not punish sin, it, it seems to suggest that he is unrighteous unless some other means of punishing sin can be seen. You see, Romans 3, 25 through 26 says this, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, when Christ died to pay the penalty for our sins, it showed that God was uh, truly righteous because he did give appropriate punishment to sin. Even though he did forgive his people their sins. With respect to the definition of righteousness given above, we might say, what is right? And in other words, what ought to happen and and what ought to be? And here we must respond that that whatever conforms to God's moral character is right. But why is such a thing true? It is right because it conforms to his moral character. And if indeed God is the final standard of righteousness, and he is, then then there can be no standard outside of God by which we measure righteousness or justice. He is the final standard. And so whenever scripture confronts the question for whether God himself is righteous or not, the ultimate answer is always that we, as God's creatures, have no right to say that God is unrighteous or unjust. The creature cannot say that of the creator. And Paul responds to a very difficult question about God's righteousness by saying this in Romans 9, 20 through 21. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to it, to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? In answer to Job's questioning about, about whether God has been righteous in his dealings with him, God answers in Job 40 verse 2 and, and 40 verse 8. Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be put in the right? You see, then God answers not in terms of an explanation that would allow Job to understand why God's actions are right, but rather in terms of a statement of God's own majesty and power. You see, God does not need to explain the rightness of his actions to Job, for God is the creator and Job is the creature. Job 40 verse uh, 9 says, have you an arm like God, and, and can you thunder with a voice like his? Likewise, Job questions God in Job 38, verse 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place? And he continues in Job 38:34 through 45. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings, that they may go and say to you, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts, or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the waterskins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the, and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions which they crouch in their dens or, or lie in the wait for, in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Well, finally God asked Job, do you, do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a name? Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spreads his wings towards the south? Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. And nevertheless, it should be a cause for thanksgiving and gratitude when we realize that righteousness and omnipotence are both possessed by God alone. If he were a per- God, a, a perfect God, a God of a perfect righteousness without perfect power to carry out that righteousness, he would not be worthy of our worship and we would have no guarantee that justice will ultimately prevail in the universe. But if he were a God of unlimited power and yet without righteousness in his character, how unthinkably horrible the universe would be. There would be unrighteousness at the center of all existence and there would be nothing anyone could do to change it existence would become meaningless and we would be driven to the uttermost despair. So we ought therefore to continually thank and praise God for who he is. Deuteronomy 32 4 says this, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. See, righteousness is revealed in his law. God's holiness and righteousness and justice are never abstract ideas, but are exercised in concrete relationship with covenant creatures. God's moral commands are never arbitrary. They reflect the proper relationship that his eternal character demands of human beings in relation both to him and to each other. God can no more relax his holy justice than he can suspend his love, his omniscience, or any other attribute in the cosmic courtroom. God must be true to himself by punishing sin. Here's in the other attributes of Christ, especially at the cross, most fully displays the holy love and the holy justice of God.